3: Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
4: A warm up from below. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. And we've got ourselves a great podcast. as in the second segment. We're going to be joined by Jovan Alford. He does terrific work over there at DraftKings, taking a look at just what we're getting day in and day out with regards to the MLB. And on top, the MLB also does some work with the NFL draft. For those of you guys are capping the NBA postseason – He's got you covered there as well. We're going to be talking with him about what we've seen the first week of the season. Going to be talking about a few games that we're going to be getting on Saturday as well. Some of the things that he's going to be looking at from a betting perspective. So going to have some fun there in the second segment with Javon. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis. on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. You've got one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at gunit underscore eighty one. Keep in mind the letters EM. Naming does not matter, so as per usual, please send these into the timeline. And the other ways find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated and then from there, you are able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. Did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but we wound up having ourselves an absolutely tremendous day of baseball on Friday, including some interesting decisions made by managers. So how about if we dive into that, try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better.
3: A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the
4: Rowdy Recap. The LA Angels survived Joe Man deciding to make one of the strangest calls I've ever seen in my life for a 9-6 to six win. The strange call that I am talking about Showman became the first manager to order an intentional walk with the bases loaded while trailing in a game, says Jim O'Rourke of the Buffalo Bisons on August 2nd, 1881. That stat provided by Mr. Bob Nightingale. So King Bob on coming up with that one. But the LA Angels still, in the end, able to get the job done by kind of 9-6. to six And a big reason why Showtime was on full display in this one. Joey Otani goes deep not once but twice for his first two home runs of the campaign. Jared Walsh along Joe Adele, they get their second home runs of the campaign. And Kurt Suzuki able to go deep as well. As it was a Texas Rangers bullpen as Matt Bush gives up a home run to Otani in the first inning. From there, you wind up having two innings. One run surrendered by Mr and then Kobe Allard did what he wound up doing last year. Giving up a whole bunch of runs. His ERA is out in 1929. And for those of you that remember 1929, that was the first year of the Great Depression. So that's a depressing ERA for Kobe Allard. Five runs given up in one and a third innings. From there, Greg Holland was able to give you two outside of the bullpen, a squirrel setting, uh, Nick Snyder. And then Josh Shorbich gives up two runs, including one of those homers, before Spencer Penn winds up being able to give you a pair of squirrel settings uh, for the LA Angels. That intentional walk was very strange as Reed Detmers wound up getting destroyed in this one. He should not be starting at the MLB level right now. Five runs given up in three and a third innings. From there, you wind up having Austin Warren wind up giving up one run and one in a third innings. And the one run he surrendered was actually off of that intentional walk. So should have probably been zero. But Aaron Loop two scoreless things. You wind up having Ryan DePera give you four outs of the bullpen. And Rossio Glacius gets the second save of the season with a scoreless night. The Seattle Mariners pound the Houston Astros by a count of 11-1. For the Astros, Jake Odorizzi did not wind up having a good night. Four runs given up in four and a third innings, and the home run of this game wound up coming off of Ronaldo Blanco who wanted coming in for the final one and the third innings, giving up two runs as it was Mr. Angel Hino Suarez being able to get that home run by Pedro Baez, gives up three runs while getting two us. and then he wind up having two runs in one and two-thirds innings, given up by Mr. Barayana you and for the Seattle Mariners, Marco Gonzalez. He winds up giving up one run over the course of seven innings. He was lights out. You honor. Mariners was able to give you a squirrel of setting along with Matt Cook. So they were able to do a very solid job in that one. So the Mariners as an underdog wind of cashing. The Colorado Rockies get the job done at home against the Chicago Cubs by kind of 6-5. Of Marcus Stroman, not long for this game, giving up five runs over the course of four innings. Bullpen wasn't too bad in this one. Scott Efrost, Daniel Norris, he combined to be able to give you three scoreless innings. And then Chris Martin does wind up along a solo home run in his inning of work taking him deep. That would be Mr. C.J. Cron third home run of the season. And then the home run that Stroman wanted giving up, Alan Trogeo. He winds up getting his first home run of the season for the Colorado Rockies. Marco Gonzalez winds up giving up a whole bunch of contact, giving up four runs over the course of four and a third innings, and then the Rockies bullpen was solid. Daniel Bard does wind up giving up a run in his inning of work, but still gets a save. Carlos Aceves, K- Tyler Kinley, they combine for a scoreless inning. And tie Block, one and two-thirds innings scoreless. And Alex Colomay winds up being able to give you a scoreless inning as well. So the Rockies, they get it done at home. The Detroit Tigers winds up playing a two-to-one game against the Royals, and they wind up getting it done. Derek Skubal, very good performance in this one no walks, seven punch-outs, and five and two-thirds innings. From there, you wind up having Michael Fulmer, Joe Jimenez, both give you a scoreless inning. And for Skubal, you did wind up giving up a run. It was an unearned run, though, so zero earned runs given up by him, as it was Errol Kasser who wound up committing an error out there in the field, but you wind up having one and a third innings out of Jacob Barnes as well. And for the Kansas City Royals, Brad Keller, not a bad start here. Seven innings, he winds up giving up two runs. One of those comes off of a home run. Spencer Torkelson, his second home run of the season. The young guy wound up having a little bit of a rough start to begin with the first week or so. He's starting to rein it in. Josh Jameau, Scott Barlow, they give you a scoreless setting from there. So, Royals pitching was solid. They just couldn't get anything going with regards to the bats. The Guardians, who were white hot coming into this one. 43 runs in their last four games. Well, they got cooled down as well. The San Francisco Giants get it done by a count of four to one as Mr. Carlos Rodan was able to give you seven innings, giving up one run, nine punch outs in the process, and then Camilio Duvall, Tyler Rogers, they both are able to give you a scoreless inning. And for the Giants, a deep ball was working. How about the second home run season for Jack Peterson, Joey Bart, the gentleman that is filling in for Buster Posey. He gets the second home run season, and then Brandon Crawford his first. as Zach Blesak winds up allowing two of those bombs. Both of them were solo shots. Two runs given up in five and a third innings. From there, you wind up having Anthony Ghost and Trevor Stephen. Both give you two-thirds of an hanging scoreless. Brian Shaw gives you an out on the bullpen. You wind up having 200 runs given up by Anthony Castrez. He was hurt by a fielding error by Mr. Jose Ramirez. Sam Hentiches gives you an out of the bullpen and a scoreless setting out of Connor Pilkington, who he's actually got a little bit of upside, but for the Guardians, you figured that there'd be a little bit of regression with this offense, and boy, was there in this one. I wound up giving out for the DK Nation pick, the Tampa Bay Rays, and Rays pitching was solid. The Bats could not wind up getting going. 3-2 to two the final in this one. Drew Rasmussen does wind up giving up three runs over the course of five innings, including a long ball to Jake Berger. He was able to get his first home run of the season, and for Dylan Cease, very good performance here. Five and two-thirds innings, winds giving up one in the process. Aaron Bummer, no bummer here, although he does wind up giving up a run in one and a third innings, but Kendall Graveman, William Hendricks, they close things out in the eighth and ninth innings for the Tampa Bay Rays. One of five with men in scoring position as a bullpen did their part. Brooks Raley, Matt Weasler, and Jason Adam, all able to give you a scoreless inning, as you also wound up having a low-scoring game out there north of the border. The Toronto Blue Jays get done against the Oakland A's, an A's team that had won four out of their last five games as a north of a 160 underdog. 4-1 to one the final for the A's. He wound up having Dalton Jeffries not give you a lot of length, but it wasn't a bad start. Four and a third innings, he winds up giving up two runs, including a home run to Vlager or Junior. He's already got five this year in eight games, so he's currently on pace for more than 80 home runs. I think that we... All oh, know that that's not going to be happening, but certainly he's been tremendous this year. Justin Grimm along with Zach Jackson. They combined to give up two runs in an inning of work, but Sam Ball, Adam Eric, both are able to give you a scoreless inning, and Jacob Lemoyne was able to give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen, and for the Toronto Blue Jays, Ross Triplink his first start of the season, and he looked solid. Four scoreless settings. From there, Trevor Richard, Yimi Garcia, and Jordan Romano. All he will give you a scoreless setting. Adam Zimmer, one and two-thirds inning scoreless. And Tim Mazza gives up a run in and out out of the bullpen. For the Washington Nationals, they go on the road, and they get it done against the poopy Pittsburgh Pirates by a count of 7-2. Eric Fetty WAP, solid start in this one, giving up two runs over the course of five innings. And then John Doolittle, Paulo Espino are able to give you a scoreless setting in Austin both two scoreless settings. And Nelson Cruz was able to get three RBI in this one. Josh Bell, right, he has nine RBI as he wanted getting three in this one as well as Mitch Keller. He added a little bit of fastball velocity this offseason, but doesn't seem to be working. As three and two-thirds innings, he gives up seven hits, three walks, four runs. He was atrocious. Miguel Yajur, who many Pirates fans are very high on, didn't look so great in this one. Three runs given up over the course of three innings. A lot of upside here with the 23 year old, but certainly a guy that's a little bit raw. Ethan Embry, Aaron Fletcher both were able to give you a squirrel out of sending out the bullpen, and Anthony Banda winds up coming in. He was able to hold down the 4 4 and out, but Nationals able to get it done out there. The Arizona Diamondbacks are currently the worst hitting team in all of baseball. They wound up entering into their game on Friday with the New York Metropolitans hitting a buck 40 as a collective, and it went down after they went 3 of 29 at the plate. 10-3, the Mets take down the poopy Arizona Diamondbacks, Zach Davies. Five runs, four of which were earned. given up over the course of four in the third innings. J.B. Wendelkin gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen, and Caleb Smith. I remember when there was promise around him when he was with the Marlins. Five runs given up over the course of three innings, including a pair of homers. Going deep for the Mets. Robinson Cano off of Davies for his first home run of the season. Sterling Marte and Marte parte off of Smith, his first home run of the season. Francisco Lindor winds it going deep off of both Smith and Davies for his second and third home runs of the season. And Chris Bassett wound up having the Arizona Diamondbacks look line in sinker. Six innings and he gives up one solo run to Dalton Varsho, his first home run of the season. From there, you do wind up having Sean Reed fully give up two runs on the bullpen in an inning but Jason Shreve, Drew Smith, they're able to give you a scoreless inning. So, nice easy win for the Metropolitans out there. Nice easy win for the St. Louis Cardinals as well. They were able to put up a 10 spot of their own against the Milwaukee Brewers by a count of 10-1. to 1. Got to have massive concerns with Freddy Peralta right now. He did not close out the season solidly last year due to an injury. And he comes in in this one, gives up six runs over the course of three innings. From there, Jose Yarenya tries to not Yerenia over the game giving up two runs over the course of three innings, including a long ball. Going deep for the St. Louis Cardinals off of him, Tommy Edmond, third home run season, and then Brent Suter will give up Nolan Arenado's fourth home run season as he lost two runs and got as many outs as myself. Obi Moeller was able to give you two scoreless settings, and Mark Brasso, the position player of the Brewers, winds up being able to pitch a scoreless setting. So his career ERA now a zero. As for the St. Louis Cardinals, great performance here from Miles Michaelis, Six and two-thirds innings. Why is it giving up one run? Nick Wickram gives you an out of the bullpen. And then two scores from Andre Palanti for the St. Louis Cardinals to be able to get it done out there. They wound up having the Minnesota Twins go on the road. They get a nice win as a money line underdog against the Boston Red Sox. 8 to 4 the finals. Miguel de don't you know, he was able to go deep off of Nick Pavetta. First home run the season and for Pavetta. He wound up having very demonstrative home and road splits last season with him being much worse at home rather than on the road, and might be the case once again this year. Four runs given up over the course of two innings. You wind up having Phillips Valdes give you two scoreless innings. Ryan Brazier, Austin Davis were both able to give you a scoreless inning, but Itakazu Saramota winds up giving up two runs of two innings, and Matt Barnes, two runs. Given up in his ending. Good news for the Boston Red Sox pair of home runs. Rafael Devers' second home run the season. Alex Verdugo, his second. Verdugo goes deep off of Joe Ryan, who really had a good performance here for the Minnesota Twins. One of the better up and coming pitchers in all of baseball, giving up one run over the course of six innings. From there, you do wind up having Yohan Duran winding up giving up one of those home runs three runs in total over the course of two innings that Emilio Pagan came in for mop-up duty he was able to get an out out of the bullpen and a squirrel setting out of the bullpen for that as well the New York Yankees wound up having Mr. I believe it was Tom Hallian who was buying the dish in this one, just completely mar the game. 2-1 to one, the final. If there is an F-minus that can be given to an umpiring staff, it should have been this one, because the strike zone was all over the place, and yet, despite that, only three runs were scored, as Jordan Montgomery was very good in this one. Five scoreless innings. From there, Wani Peralta gives up a run in one and a third innings, but Jonathan Weiszka gives you a pair of outside the bullpen. Miguel Castro, Lucas Lutke, both are able to give you a scoreless inning. Clark Schmidt, winds is giving you one out of the third innings? Why is it giving up that under and run that you wind up getting an extra innings in the eleventh as Heraldus Chapman winds up issuing a walk in the 11th inning that winds up costing them the game. There were some very questionable calls with regards that entire at-bat in general and role to Chapman. He did wind up having his issues towards the end of last season, dating back to June 10th on towards the end of the season. So his final 38 appearances did wind up having a 540 ERA. So have to be concerned about that. But with that said, you also take a look at the Baltimore Orioles, and they wind up surrounding 15 men on base. So Jordan Lyles, big surprise here. Five and a third innings, gives up one run, and no home runs. He should be throwing a prey because this man has been shelled for a very long time. But from there, Dylan Tate along with Brian Baker. One and two-thirds innings scoreless. Jorge Lopez was able to give you a scoreless inning. Sionado Perez comes out of the bullpen. He was able to give you an out. And Joey Krebel was able to give you a scoreless inning as well. So the pitching was there. Offense uh, not so much as the Yankees. They want two of a level with men in scoring position. And the Yankees as a sizable underdog, they are able to get it done. The Miami Marlins were able to get it done against the Philadelphia Phillies by a count of 7-1. to one. Zach Eflin was Eflin awful, giving up four runs over the course of four innings. Yes, Eflin, not... The other word. But with that said, not necessarily too great there. And then from there, you wind up having Nick Nelson come in for two innings. He gives up three runs. You wind up having Jordan familiar along with Andrew Balotti, give you a scoreless inning, but nothing doing for this Philadelphia Phillies team. Nick Cassiano's lone form of offense in this game gets a second run of the campaign off of Sean Armstrong as Pablo Lopez. A very good start. Five and a third inning scoreless. You wind up having one and a third inning scoreless out of Lewis Head. Richard Blyer was able to give you a... Out on the bullpen, Sean Armstrong does wind up giving up that whole home run, but you were also able to have Daniel Castano, someone who's been experimented as a starter, wind up giving you a squirrel setting as well. For the Miami Marlins, a team that's had a rough time being able to put runs up on the board, they were able to go 5 of 11 with men in scoring position, and this was just the first time in regulation all season long, a game that didn't require extra innings, that they were able to break the four-run plateau. The Atlanta Braves go to San Diego, and they're able to get the job done by a count of 5-2 to two, as for the Braves, Kyle Wright's turnaround looks to be very real. He does wind up giving up two runs over the course of five innings, but no walks and nine punch-outs. And then you've got that tremendous Atlanta Braves bullpen. I know that many people are sour on Kenley Jansen, but overall for his career has been solid. He, Darren O'Day, Tyler Mads, and KJ Minter all are able to give you a scroll of setting. And for the San Diego Padres, it was a debut of Mackenzie Gore and Gore Not bad in his debut. He does wind up allowing a home run to Ozzy Albies. Third run of the season for him. But five and a third innings gives up two runs. But it was Pierce Johnson that lit this game on fire. Giving up three runs in two-thirds of an inning. You wind up having... Mr. Suarez and Robert Suarez be able to give you a scoreless second defense Denelson Lamette. very strange to see him coming on the bullpen one in a third inning scoreless Luis Garcia able to give you a pair of outs as well but for the Padres just not a lot doing on offense they wind up going just one of four with men in scoring position so that is a W for the Atlanta Braves and then we wound up seeing in the nightcap. This is finishing up as I'm doing this podcast, but the Dodgers currently up by kind of 3-1 to one in the bottom of the 8th inning. Looks like we're going to be getting an under out there as you take a look at what you wind up getting out of Vladimir Gutierrez. Did not wind up doing a solid job for the Cincinnati Reds. He lost three runs over the course of four innings, but Jeff Hoffman was able to give you a scoreless inning. He also had one out of Alexis Diaz. Dory Moreta was able to give you a scoreless inning, and then they wound up going to Ryan Hendrickson. For the L.A. Dodgers, Tony Gonsolin was able to give you four scoreless settings and they've been sort of utilizing a system which Tony Gonsolin and Tyler Anderson wind up splitting a start. Anderson winds giving up one run over the course of four innings. Very interesting to take a look at that. The Dodgers at this point, two of eleven with men in scoring position. So certainly we're able to get some good pitching out there. And with that Dodgers game pending, you take a look at everything that we wound up getting out there in Major League Baseball on Friday. And it was a solid day if you want to take in some underdogs. They're currently seven and seven with the Reds pending, so most likely gonna wrap up seven and eight. But when you're getting plus money, that helps things out quite a bit. And it looks like if this Dodgers game winds up going under the total. Seven overs, seven unders, and a push. So we've seen a little bit more scoring recently here as well. And with regards to one-run games, we've been seeing quite a few of those as well, as you did wind up having a pair of favorites, wind up winning by merely one run, so that is something that we are going to be monitoring as we go along, and something else that we're monitoring is just being able to find great guests to be able to come on this podcast, Jovan Alford, doing absolutely amazing work over there at DraftKings, he's going to be joining me next, we're going to get his thoughts on the first week plus of the season, and turn it forward to what he likes on the card for Saturday, that's up next right here on the Baseball Betting Show, with myself Guy Peterson, now a part of the Beeson family
3: The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening.
0: Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only Wait For It. Boy meets World House. Take a listen. We are lucky to be sitting with Alan and Amy Matthews in the flesh, William, Rusty Russ, and Betsy Randall. Yay!
1: How lucky we were to have you guys. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? I'm John Wall.
6: And
7: I'm CJ Toledana. And we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have ticked it all?
6: I said, I said OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college you yeah. ain't I it? <laughs>
7: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get
2: your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.
3: The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening.
0: Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only Wait For It. Boy meets World House. Take a listen. We are lucky to be sitting with Alan and Amy Matthews in the flesh, William, Rusty Russ, and Betsy Randall. Yay! Thank you. Thank
1: you. Yes. how lucky we were yeah. to have you guys. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts.
2: What's
6: up? I'm John Wall.
7: And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three time NBA Six Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one on one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have ticked it all?
6: I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the exactly. Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top not of that. like that, see that?
7: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome
6: Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out of him crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. and he's going to withdraws about winning. Remember what so. I told you? I said, I said OG, oh, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? You think minute.
7: it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And
4: we're back here in lovely Las Vegas, for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, and it is great to be joined by our guests. It's Javon Alford. Doing great work over there with DraftKings. He's a writer for them. Takes a look at a little bit of everything. I know that he's been doing a great job taking a look at some NMLB props here in the early part of the season. He takes a look at things from both a daily fantasy perspective along with a little bit of a betting perspective as well. I know that he has been also taking a look at what we're going to be getting in the NFL draft within the next few weeks. And boy, oh boy, that is something that is starting to creep up very quickly on us as well as to be able to follow Javon Alford on Twitter. He makes it pretty easy. Javon, his first name, and then the number 10. And Javon, great to have you aboard.
5: Thank you. I'm glad to be back on, Greg. It's been a long time, but hey, it's baseball season, so why not talk about what's going on in the Diamond so far?
4: It absolutely is baseball season, and I do appreciate you joining me. And what have you noticed really out of the first – we're going to call it week plus of the season because I feel like things have been relatively status quo. You wind up having a couple teams that they do a little bit worse than expected. You got a couple teams that they wind up booming a little bit more than expected. And I know a lot of people are griping about the lower run totals that we've been seeing at the beginning part, but I always take a look at baseball as being a game in which the pitchers are typically out in front of the hitters a little bit towards the beginning of the season. And then that winds up tilting once you wind up getting into the summer months. I'm not sure if you've got sort of the same approach, but for me, this is a relatively to-be-expected start to the season.
5: Oh, yeah, definitely. I was thinking the same way as you, and I think that on the, you know, further that notion with, with, you know, baseball having a short spring training the way that they did, there was only so many, you know, at-bats that these hitters are going to get in, and even the starting pitchers. I mean, some starting pitchers only got two starts in, some only got three. So their first two starts are almost like extended spring training starts for them, their first, you know, first two starts. I think, like you said, once we get like through this month and then into May and starters, you know, get a few more starts under their belt, I think we'll start to see everything start to round in form. You know, Like like you said, from the pitching standpoint, even from the hitting standpoint, you'll start to see things kind of even out in the law of averages.
4: Yep, I'm right there with you. And I do think that what has been really intriguing as well is taking a look at the few teams that have been able to boom with the to the offense. And the Cleveland Guardians have been one of them. Now we're doing this as the game for Friday. It's pending with the Cleveland Guardians. But with that said, going into what we wound up getting on Friday – they were they were a team that they had scored 43 runs in their last four games, and I don't think anyone wanted up seeing this coming. Stephen Kwan hitting like a 500, just absolutely ridiculous what we've been seeing out of him. And I would say that they've really been the biggest early season surprise for me. I don't know if they're going to be able to necessarily keep this up, but it's been a lot of fun to watch them in the early part of the season.
5: Yeah. The guardians. I'm glad you brought them up. Cause those are the first teams I was thinking about, you know, they had a quiet first two games in that series opener against the Kansas City Royals. But then those next two games, they were just mashing. Like you said, Stephen Kwan, you know, him, not even him getting extra base hits, just getting on base, you know, have helped out that offense. And Jose Reyes, you know, he's starting, you know, to really, you know, get, you know, get into the swing of things for that offense, hitting home runs and extra base hits. They've been rolling these last few games as they kind of look past their first few games in Kansas City, which might have scared some people off. Like, I don't know if this guarding team is going to be good, but like you said, don't know if their offense is going to hold up, but it's good to see that they're able to manufacture runs in multiple phases, you know, On base with the long ball, you mentioned Stephen Kwan, Jose Ramirez. You got to think about Andres Jimenez, Ahmed Rosario. So they got some pieces there, and they got the starting rotation to back it up as well.
4: Yep, it's been amazing to be able to watch them here in the early part of the season as we do have Javon Alfred of DraftKings joining me right here on the podcast. And, Javon, you're a man that's out there in the great city of Philadelphia. As we're recording this podcast right now, the Philadelphia Phillies not necessarily having the game that they would like against the Miami Marlins. But what do you think the overall outlook for the Phillies is? They wound up entering into Friday 3-4, and but I've been a little bit more bullish on this team, more or less because they did wind up signing a couple bullpen pieces, which I really feel like was the biggest reason why they weren't able to make the postseason the last few seasons. I do think that it might be a little bit tough for them, especially with Gene Segura missing these last few games. But I do think that it's a team that they've got some upside in. I do think that they could be
5: contenders out there in the National League East. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like you said, you know, a lot of people with pointing to the offense and them, you'd like, you know, getting, you know, Nick Castellanos and also Kyle Schwarber. But like you said, them upgrading that bullpen with Gay because there were so many games last season, that seventh, eighth, ninth inning that they didn't really have go to guys that really depend on. And it cost them a lot of games down the stretch and even early in the season where if they didn't blow a saver, one or two saves here and there, it could be a different story. So them being able to go get a Brad Hand a jury's familiar also getting Sir Anthony D- Dominguez back, you know, healthy and you add Corey Knable in the back end of that bullpen after closer, you know, it should help them in the long rope. They started off, you know, relatively well, the first two games against Oakland, Offense is kind of cooled off, like you said, not having a guy like Gene Segura, you know, will, you know, limit that. And I think also this team have to, I think, figure out how to, you know, manufacture runs, not with the home run ball. Because I think everybody thought that if you, you look at their top five in the batting order, you got Kyle Schrober, you know, Ramuto Harper, who's gotten off to like who's gotten off to a slow start. Castellanos, Hoskins, you just think home runs are going to be just be flying out of every which park that they set foot in. But this team also has to learn how to manufacture runs with extra base hits, singles, doubles, you know, any way you can get it outside of the home run ball. And I think that's the thing that they're trying to figure out, as well as the rotation, because the rotation, really, Kyle Gibson's been the only one that's been consistent. Everybody else, you know, is either getting into their second start or having a rough couple of starts looking at Aaron Nola at a rough start not too long ago.
4: Yep, and Zach Wheeler wound up being a little bit hurt during spring training as well. He's going to be able to find it. question is, how many starts is it going to take for him to be able to get things going? And I do think that it's interesting that on Saturday, Rangers Suarez is going to be going for the Philadelphia Phillies as well because he was really a godsend for them towards back half of the season last year. Wounded starting out the year as a very long reliever. up getting, I think it was 11 starts, might have been 12 towards back half of the season. And as a starter, even with him getting stretched out, Buck 69 ERA in that role. He was absolutely tremendous. And this is a Phillies versus Marlins game that as we record relative pick them game, what are you expecting here? Because I do think that Rangers Suarez going to be a very big key if the Philadelphia Phillies are going to be contenders out there in the National League East. And I take a look at him, want up getting a little bit roughed up in his first start of the year. But also keep in mind that the three runs that he wanted giving up, that was in that Alec Boehm three-error game that the team actually wound up coming back to winning a few nights ago against the Mets.
5: Right. No, like you said, you know, his stat line kind of looked a little crazy because, you know, of Alec Boehm having those defensive errors. I think, you know, honestly, I think they can win. Like you said, things are pretty much even right now. It's going to be a tough matchup going against Trevor Rogers because Trevor Rogers, you know, had a very good rookie season last year for the Marlins, and he, he had some success against the Phillies. But I also think Rangers-Warriors can kind of keep this Marlins' offense, you know, in check, which, you know, honestly, outside of this series with the Phillies, the Marlins' offense have not really been good. They strike out a ton. So, if anything, if Rangers-Warriors can get ahead of the count, and you know pitch like we know he can pitch like we saw him pitch last season then i think that the phillies can you know give themselves a chance to win this to win this game on saturday
4: Yep, I do think that just being able to scratch across a couple runs is going to be big because with the Miami Marlins, they've got some of the best starting pitching out there in all of baseball, but the bats, they are very ineffective, to say the least. So I think Mm -hmm. that you take a look at the Miami Marlins, especially with the ballpark that they play in, they're very much going to be an under team for the season. And I do feel like you are able to identify teams that you might want to be taking a few more overs than unders with. Now, with that said, with Major League Baseball, keep in mind that last season, No team wound up having an over or an under rate more than I would say about fifty-seven or so percent, taking a look at closing lines. So it's not one of these things in which it's like, oh, I want to be blind betting overs with the Toronto Blue Jays or blind betting unders with the Miami Marlins and the Milwaukee Brewers. But with that said, the Marlins are certainly a team that I always like to take a look at it under with, unless if we wind up seeing bookmakers adjust their totals down a little bit more. The Milwaukee Brewers certainly stand out as well. Offense has been rough for them, but they are a team that they've got all that great starting pitching. They've got one of the best one-two punches that you're able to find in the bullpen, along with Devin Williams, Josh Hader being out there. So I take a look at some of these teams that it is really interesting to identify some of them. And heck, a team that I thought was going to be good to the under this year, the Cleveland Guardians, has been the opposite. So I do think that it is very important to take a look at these teams and perhaps change the outlook on them when you do wind up getting new information
5: as well. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I think for people that bet every day or bet consistently, if you can't get stuck into, you know, whatever, you know, if you're using them, I mean, you always got to be, you know, always looking for new information, but also not fall in love with the trend. Because like you said, things can change. Like you said, you know, the Guardians, they look like they were going to be under team, but now they're over team. But who knows, you know, two weeks from now, they could be, an under team again. It varies, and I think that's what's so great about the baseball season. It's a marathon, right? There's going to be ebbs and flows, ups and downs, and I think that describes the way it will be when you're you know, betting baseball, right? There's going to be ups and downs, highs and lows, but you just got to ride the momentum in the wave that you're currently on.
4: Yep, I'm right there with you. Like we saw at the beginning of the season, a whole bunch of unders here in Major League Baseball. Would not be surprised if in the next few days, we wind up seeing that reverse itself. And the bookmakers, they do a very good job. Whenever they wind up seeing a trend, they wind up shading their numbers like in the NBA last season. First month of the season, 60% of games wind up going under the total. As we sit right now in the NBA, you've got more overs than unders. So clearly an adjustment was made there as we do have Javon Alford joining me on the podcast. And Javon, just taking a look at everything that we're going to be getting on this Saturday MOB board. Is there anything that's really standing out to you now with regards to... More of like the player props, some of those specialty things. You don't have as many offerings that are listed overnight, but we do have pretty much all the sides, all the totals. So we do have a lot of more of the basics out there. Is there anything that you really take a look at for Saturday?
5: Yeah, there's like few things that I'm looking at. I, I'm on the first thing I'm looking at is the over in the Oakland A's Toronto Blue Jays game. A's we know had an impress you know impressive series against Tampa Bay Rays, taking three out of four games. Don't know how that happened because everybody thought this A's team was just going to be bad. And they kind of, you know, proved that wrong, proved us wrong so far, especially in that series. And the booksmaker probably were mad because people were just making bank on Oakland A's money line those few games. They averaged seven point seven runs in that game, and they're going to be facing, you know, Hengjin Ryu, who didn't play well in his first out only went I think three in the third innings. But we saw the Blue Jays play really well at home in their series opener against the Rangers where he averaged 6.6 runs. So I think this could be a spot where we could see the over here. I know when I checked the line I think it was like the over with minus 105 on DraftKings. So I think you could see that with Paul Blackburn on the mound for the athletics. Other thing I'm interested I'll be interested to see you know later on Saturday night what's the K-prop for Hunter Green after you know his first start last week was just electric against the Braves had, you know, he allowed four hits, had seven strikeouts, and gave up two home runs. But the fact that he was able to sustain hitting 99, 98, 100, 101 miles per hour on his pitches for that long, I can't wait to see what those numbers are going to look like, you know, for his K props, you know, going forward. And then last game, Yankees, Orioles, Jamison Tyon on the mound. Orioles got Taylor Wealth. You know, Tyon, he played he pitched well in his first start. But we knew last year, you know, him on the road wasn't great, but he, but he played well against the on against the Oath, only had a three two seven ERA and had an opponent batting average of 179. So I think that could be a spot where you could potentially go Yankees' run line because I think the money line is kind of too high. So if you want to get something better, I think the run line could be in play against the Orioles team that's played well. But we know the Yankees have had their number, you know, especially last season. And if Tyon builds off his last start, then I think that could be a play right there as well.
4: And the last full season. So you take out the 2020 campaign in which we wound up having 60 games. So nobody could lose 100 games that season. The last time, other than the COVID year, that the Orioles lost fewer than 107 games. You have to go all the way back to 2017. So for our good friends out there in Baltimore, it has been a little bit of a rough go of it, but it's always a smooth go of it whenever you join this podcast. Siobhan, I know that you're doing some great work over there at DraftKings and you're doing a wide variety of sports. I know that you've got a couple write-ups taking a look at the NFL Draft. I know that you've done some NBA stuff. You've really been diving into baseball the last week or so, so let the good people at home know what's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other
5: platforms. Oh, yeah, for sure. Thanks again, Greg, for having me on. People can follow me on Twitter at Joe and Like you said, a lot of, you know, baseball, DFF, F-Bats, player props, things like that, NBA, same thing, player props, you know, maybe some USFL stuff here and there. We'll see as that's starting up. And then, like you said, NFL Draft. And then also stuff on totalsportslive.com as well so a lot of stuff a lot of you know good information picks all that information it's all out there you know just follow me on twitter at jovan Ten.
4: you really don't have the main sport of the season going on obviously that's the nfl but you got a lot of the ancillary sports the nhl the mlb you've got the nba playoffs starting up the nfl draft is going to be here before we know it as we know the pga season has really gotten gassed up with the Masters being last week. So it's really a great time for a lot of different offerings. I know that Javon does a great job of taking a look at so many of them and always brings it whenever he's on this podcast. So big thanks to Javon Alford for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beason Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time to podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all.
1: How oh. lucky we were yeah. to have you guys. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? I'm John Wall.
7: And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three time NBA Six Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one on one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have ticked it all?
6: Wherever you listen.
0: Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. We are lucky to be sitting with Alan and Amy Matthews in the flesh, William, Rusty Russ, and Betsy Randall. Yay!
1: how oh. lucky we were yeah. to have you guys this has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5 new episode out now you can listen wherever you get your podcasts
2: what's up I'm John Wall and
7: I'm CJ Toledano and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game we're now joined by three time NBA Six Man of the Year elite bucket getter let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game King of the Court one on one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have ticked it all
6: I said, I said OG, oh, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? You didn't need it. Ain't
7: it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
4: And we're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Great to have Javon Alford of DraftKings on today. He's doing absolutely tremendous work taking a look at things from both a daily fantasy and a betting perspective over there. Does a great job being able to take a look at a wide variety of sports. And I know that he did a great job on the baseball front this year. So great to get him back on for this season as now we're doing more work for, with DraftKings as well, so seamless fit there, and Javon does absolutely amazing work himself. So big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis and every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we... Touch them all.
2: If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all.
4: Do note that, as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed, at Junet underscore D1. Actually, pretty easy to take a look at Las Vegas rotation order, because goes to Ashley games first, then the American League games, and we've got one interleague game that would be between the Giants and the Guardians that is going to be at the bottom. So, we do begin with 901, 902 on the mainboard. board. The Arizona Diamondbacks hit the road to face off against the New York Metropolitans. Carlos Carrasco is going to be going for the Metropolitans, and Zach Gallen is going to be on the bump for Arizona. Arizona open up at plus 115. They are up to anywhere between plus 135 and plus 140. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Metropolitans, anywhere between minus 149 and minus 160 is your price. Between seven and a half and eight is your total on the eight, under is minus one fifteen, and the over is minus one hundred five. On the seven half, over is minus one fifteen, and the under is minus one oh five. And this is the case in which at plus 115, the opener, I would not have been taking a look at the Diamondbacks, set this at a plus 134, but we have seen a massive move after the Diamondbacks got, let's call what it is, destroyed yesterday, and now I think he's actually a relatively good buy low spot, Zach Allen, someone that throughout his career has been really good at being able to get swings and misses last year, was a little bit uncharacteristic of him, 430 ERA, but... In his three seasons in the big leagues, he deserves much better than a 10 and 18 record. A 346 ERA, he does walk quite a few guys. His walks per nine rate, that is north of three, but with that said, you also take a look at the punch outs that this guy is able to get right around 10.5. Per nine innings, does a solid job will be able to keep the ball in the yard. So I do think that he's going to come out. He's going to be able to give a relatively solid effort here. And on the road last season, seven home runs given up in 59 in a third inning. So he's able to do a good job there. And then you take a look at Mr. Carrasco, first start of the season. Five and two-thirds innings, gave up one run against Washington Nationals. Looked relatively solid there after last year. He had an ERA of a six. You do have to be taking out that both of these bullpens are relatively stinky. I mean, the New York Mets... They were actually solid out of the bullpen last year, but Aaron Loop, Juricic, Familia. Both of out of the fold. Sean Reed Foley is someone that's able to give you a little bit of length. You've got Edwin Diaz, Seth Lugo, both of these guys. They're okay, but they can have their shakiness. And then for the Arizona Diamondbacks, I actually do like what you're able to get out of someone like an Ian Kennedy. Humberto Castellanos is able to lend a little bit of length. Sean Poffin, this guy is absolutely terrible, though. So you do have your ups and your downs there. The big thing for the Arizona Diamondbacks, can they just put back the ball because this is a bunch that they entered into yesterday, hitting as a collective of forty, and they went 3 of 29 at the plate yesterday. So that actually went down. Seth Beer is the only guy on this team that has seen more than 10 at-bats as hitting above the Mendoza line of a 200. So, I mean, it's really stinky now. You take a look at Quito Marte. He had 14 home runs last season, and he wound up being the... Highest home run hitter that wound up returning from last season. So that's not necessarily too great. And you take a look at the New York Pets. You do have Jeff McNeil, Francisco Lindor. Both combined it right around at 3.15 between the two of them. Sterling Marte. He's got a 3.33 on base. He's got good wheels at 3 RBI and 3 at yesterday. Pete Alonso, we all know we're going to be able to get out of him. Though he wound up Really drawing a lot of walks yesterday, so that was very interesting. Robinson gets his first home run the season, but it's a little bit long in the tooth, JD Davis. I do like what he's able to bring to the table, but I do take a look at the stuff of Zach Allen and this is the way that the Arizona Diamondbacks are going to need to win games. They've actually got a couple solid starters. He, Merrill Kelly. If Madison Baumgartner can find the fountain of youth, you've got some solid starters there. The offense is very poor, but I think Zach Allen actually outduels Carlos Carrasco in this one. That allows for a little bit of value here on the Arizona Diamondbacks. Do end up setting a total north of eight. So I'm going to be taking a look at this total over. I said it at an 8.8 because I do think that it's a case in which the Diamondbacks bullpen going to give up a few runs. But I take a look at Carlos. Carrasco, the ARA of six last season, now being 35 years old, he's worn down a little bit. And Arizona Diamondbacks, they stink with the bats. There's bound to be positive regression from hitting a buck forty. So I'm gonna take a shot here on the Diamondbacks, and I'm gonna be taking a look at this total over 9-3, 9-4 on the bang board. The Atlanta Braves hit the road face off against the Slam Diego Padres. Nick Martinez is gonna be going for the pods, and Ian Anderson is gonna be on the bump for Atlanta. The total on this game is eight. Over Zenny 14, minus 110 and minus 120. The under is any 14, even a minus one ten. Atlanta is anywhere between minus 113 and minus 120 as a favorite. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the pods, find them anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. And with the San Diego Padres, I did wind up saying, them more on a plus 121 as an underdog. So going to be willing to take the Atlanta brace. You do have a guy, Ian Anderson, that for his career, right around 3.3 walks per nine innings, first start of the season, did not wind up going as planned, as currently staring at a 1680 ADRA when you're staring at an ERA that is higher than the Dark Ages, that is not necessarily too good, and 1688, very clear of the Dark Ages. So that's not necessarily what you want, but he's going to be backed up by a bullpen that is relatively solid. Tyler Manzett, AJ Minter. These guys are able to do some solid work. Kenley Jansen blows some games at the most inopportune of times, but I mean, you just take a look at him, and he's still a relatively solid reliever, Darren O'Day. He's able to give you some good innings. So for the Padres, give them credit because this is a team that has a relatively a really good bullpen of their own. Nabel Chrisman is able to give you a little bit of length. They're mostly going to be utilizing Denelson LeMet as a long reliever as well, but some like a Craig Salmon has thought Robert Suarez wound up having a rough first outing of the season, but I expect good things from him. But take a look at Nick Martinez. This is his first time back in the MLB ever since 2017, and to his credit, he was pitching in... Japan last season, and in the Nippon Baseball League, had a sub-2 ERA, really didn't allow any home runs whatsoever, but I mean, for his big league career, 17-30 and 30 with a 4.73 ERA, and a strikeout to walk rate of a 1.6. Guy doesn't get really too many swings and misses, and even in Japan, he really didn't get a lot of swings and misses either, and that's doomsday against an Atlanta Braves team that they're able to barrel you up. You take a look at Austin Riley, and he's a guy that I expect to go for 30 home runs and hit nearly a in this season. Marcelo Zunabatul Matt- and going into yesterday. Both were hitting above a 300 with Ozuna. Back with multiple home runs. Ozzy Albies. He's already went deep multiple times this season. Now guys like Guillermo Redia uh, towards the bottom of the lineup, they've been a little bit hit or miss, but you take a look at the San Diego Padres. C.J. Abrams was able to get his first career home run earlier in the series, but he's been off to a little bit of a rough start. Awesome Kim, Trent Christian, these guys need to pick it up to and Profar. Off to a good start to the season, but I've got some question marks with regards to his bat as well, so I do think that the M-Line going to be able to get to Mar- Nick Martinez in this spot. I do think that Ian Anderson gives out his walks, but with the Padres dealing with injuries to so guys like Fernando Tatis Jr., Get your spot in general. It's been a little bit tough for the Padres. Puts the San Diego Padres in a little bit of a tricky spot and. San Diego plays a little bit differently during the daytime than the nighttime as well. Ball is going to fly a little bit more. So this is a spot in which I did wind up saying the total at an 8.3. I'm looking over. And with the Braves, made them all 121 favorite, So it's going to be one to late here. 9-5, 9-6 on the betting board. The Philadelphia Phillies to throw it face off against the Miami Marlins. Trevor Rogers is going to be going for the Fishies. And Rangers Suarez is going to be on the bump for Philadelphia. Philadelphia Find themselves anywhere between minus one oh four and minus one fifteen favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Miami, they are anywhere between minus one oh four and minus one ten. Seven half is your total with the over anywhere between minus one oh five and minus one ten. The under is anywhere between minus one ten and minus one fifteen. Same straight eight out there as well. On the eight, under is minus one fifteen and the over is minus one oh five. And I did wind up setting my total at a seven point four. So at the seven half, I'm gonna be taking a look at an under and you do take a look at Rangers for as he wound up getting lit up in his first start of the season. Two two thirds innings he winds giving up three runs that was in the game which Alex Bohm wound up having three errors so I do take that with a little bit of a grain of salt because in the I believe it was 11 maybe 12 starts they wound up having last season after he came out of the bullpen he had a buck 69 ERA as a starter got stretched out and looked really really good and it's going up against the Miami Marlins team that they were able to do a good job of be able to jump on the Phillies early yesterday as they were able to put up four runs before the bottom of the third inning even began so Give them some credit on that one, but Ode Solaire, he's off to a little bit of a rough start as he was last year as well. He and Jacob Stallings both hitting below the Mendoza line of 200 you're able to throw in their Asus Aguiar along to Avisio Garcia. Now, Aguiar, in the month of August last season, was actually leading the National League in terms of RBI, and Asus Sanchez has really been able to do a solid job for the Miami Marlins. He's already got multiple home runs. He's been able to do a great job of be able to get on base for the same gear. Cooper coming back, that's big, but they just don't compare to the Philadelphia Phillies. Nick Castellanos, Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber, all these guys, when it's all said and done, I'm pretty sure that they're all going to be hitting for at least a 275 with at least 30 home runs. A piece Reese Hoskins, he's back in the fold. He's got a four hundred on base. Does a good job of being able to put back to ball. Gene Segura has been missing in the last few days, but he's already got multiple home runs this season. And take a look at the Phillies and. What has really been good for them is that they have revamped this bullpen. They bring in Juricic Familia, They bring in Brad Hand. They bring in Corey Knebel, And all of a sudden, you're able to trust in these guys. And for the Miami Marlins, it's not a bad bullpen by any stretch of the imagination. And the Marlins are helped by the fact that they pitch in a very pitcher-friendly environment. Anthony Bass, Anthony Bender are able to do a solid job. Cole Solzer, Tanner Scott, they came in from the Orioles in the offseason. Steven Okert wound up having a solid year last season. And for Trevor Rogers, he does a great job of being able to get swings and misses for us career, right around 11 punch outs per nine innings, but I do think that he's going to have a little bit of a tough time being able to locate in general, was able to do a better job of not necessarily issuing as many walks last season, but you do take a look at him for his career. His walks per nine rate is still a little bit north of three. To his credit, he also does wind up doing a great job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. So I do think that this is gonna be a little bit of a lower scoring game, but I've got a little bit more faith in the Philadelphia Phillies being able to scratch across a few more runs than the Miami Marlins. So I do wind up saying the Phillies at minus one sixteen. I'm gonna be willing to late here. And with my total set it at a seven point four. So here at seven and a half, gonna be taking a look at an under as well. 907, 908 on the betting board. The Washington Nationals hit the road to face off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Bryce Wilson is going to be going for the Buckos and Josh Rogers is going to be on the bump for Washington. Washington is finding themselves as good as a minus 103, as bad as a minus 115. Meanwhile, for the pirates, you're finding them as good as a minus 101, as bad as a minus 115. So relative pick and price here. And your total on this game, we're gonna be finding it at a nine with the over any working minus 120, minus 125, the under any between even and plus one oh five. And I set the Nationals as a minus one oh four favorite. So right around this pick em price, gotta think that a lot of books. They're going to have, like, even juice on the Washington Nationals. There might be a few others that wind up having even juice on the Pittsburgh Pirates. But unless if we wind up seeing a move that... Puts really a plus 105 or higher on either of these teams. It is going to be a play on the Washington Nationals because I do take a look at Josh Rogers and I've got a little bit more faith in he rather than Bryce Wilson. Wilson doesn't wind up getting any swings and misses whatsoever and he didn't in Atlanta. He isn't this far in Pittsburgh for his career. He's got 85 strikeouts and 120 and a third innings, which is a little bit of an issue considering his walks per nine rate that is north of three. So not a guy that is necessarily doing a tremendous job there. And then you take a look at Bryce Wilson. What he wanted doing in 2021, not necessarily the world's biggest sample size, but 15 bombs given up in 74 innings—that's a little bit of an issue. And for Josh Rogers, first start of the season against the Atlanta Braves. Five and a third innings, winds giving up one run. Looked rock solid there, and even the starts they wound up getting with the Washington Nationals last season, he got six of them. He wound up being able to put up some relatively solid numbers. A so 3.28 ERA does wind up giving up a couple too many walks. Fielding independent was a little bit higher than the ERA, but certainly is able to get the job done. And he's backed up by a not so terrible lineup. Josh Bell is someone that already has hit multiple homers this season. A guy that's hitting right around 300. Along with Miguel Franco, Cesar Hernandez has been able to get on base for you. Juan Soto, he. He's someone that wanted having a 450 on base last season. He's going to be able to pick it up. Nelson Cruz had 30 plus home runs last season. Kibera Ruiz has some good upside. And then with the Pittsburgh Pirates, they've been utilizing Daniel Vogelback as their leadoff hitter thus far this season, which I just find to be absolutely hilarious. Brian Reynolds is someone that wound up hitting a 300 in the last season. And Cabrines Hayes. I mean, this guy has been hitting north of a 350 this season. He's been tremendous. Yoshi Satsugo, Ben Gamel, both of these guys are veterans that have sort of bounced around Satsugo after he was really terrible since coming over to Japan. He's been able to find a little bit more. With the Pirates, I actually do give their bullpen a little bit of an edge. David Bernard has been solved for the scene between Underwood Jr. He is currently on the injured list, which it does wind up hurting that bullpen a little bit. And you're taking a look at guys like a Chris Strand. It will give you okay innings, but I do think that the Nationals able to hang relatively at Hey, Here, Sean Doolittle, along with Kyle Finnegan, their veterans are not necessarily great veterans, but they're able to fill some innings for you. Patrick Murphy not necessarily the world's worst reliever either, so I do take a look at the spot. And I do think that the Washington Nationals should be a slight favorite at this relative pick and price right now. I'm going to be taking a look at the Washington Nationals, willing to lay pretty much a 105 or less with them. And then when it comes to the total, set it at an 8.7 because you do have a pitcher-friendly ballpark out there in Pittsburgh, and I think that both of these are going to be able to do a relatively okay. Job will be able to hold down the fort and be able to fill about five or so innings. So looking at the under and looking at the Washington Nationals. nine 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 ten on the betting board is the DK Nation pick as the Milwaukee Brewers are going to be playing us to the St. Louis Cardinals. Steven Matz is going to be going for the cards, and Adrian, don't call me Dukey Hauser, is going to be on the bump for Milwaukee. Milwaukee is finding themselves Currently, anywhere between a minus 107 and a minus 115. Meanwhile, with the Cardinals, find them as good as even money, as bad as minus 110. Between 8.5 and, and 9 is your total. On the 9, the under is minus 120. The over is even. On the 8F. over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 105. And DK Nation pick, we're going with the crew. I wound up setting Adrian Hauser as a minus 141 favorite because it's just really hard to have any faith whatsoever in Steven Matz. We see it from him. Time and time again. He winds up giving you like two or three good starts, and then he winds up giving you just a piece of poop start. And you take a look at Adrian Hauser, and this guy last year was lights out. They wind up having a little bit of a rough go of it first time out there against the Baltimore Orioles, wound up giving up two runs in three and two-thirds innings, but you do take a look at the way that Adrian Hauser was really able to come of age last season, and it was very good because towards the beginning part of the season, he was an okay pitcher, wasn't necessarily great, and wasn't necessarily terrible, but from July on, he wound up posting up an ERA that was hovering right around a 2-7-ish, so he really did a nice job being able to hold it down there gave a plus a home run per nine innings. Walks are always an issue for him. He's going to give out right around three and a half walks per nine innings, but if you take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals team, it is a little bit of an aging line a Paul Goldschmidt. Tyler O'Neill have been off to rough starts. They're going to be able to pick it up. O'Neal, I think that he goes off for 30 home runs. He has a big year in Paul Goldschmidt. After the month of July last season, he had a 330 for the rest of the campaign. Dylan Carlson, he's a young guy out there in the outfield that is relatively solid. Lars Neupar has some upside with him as well, but you do take a look at Yadier Molina. Being out these last few days for the St. Louis Cardinals, that hurts them a little bit. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, Christian Yelich starting to look a little bit more like that MVP form. I don't think he ever fully gets back to that MVP form, but certainly has looked a little bit better towards the early part of this year. Omar Nervais already has a home run in the series. Willie Thomas, he is just the biggest cog that the Milwaukee Brewers have, along with Roddy Tellez. He's able to give you some yard balls, and that's big because Hunter Renfro. I did not like that signing. He, I felt like, was a one-year wonder with the Boston Red Sox. I think that that's going to come about, but where the birds really have the advantage, that'd be the bullpen. When you've got Josh Hader, along with Devin Williams, Brad Boxberger, Jake Cousins, coming out of the bullpen are massive. And then you do take a look at Giovanni Gagos. He's able to do a relatively solid job for the St. Louis Cardinals. You also take a look at some of the other relievers like a TJ McFarlane who really goes under their radar. He's been able to do a nice job. If you really need someone in long relief, Jake Woodford is able to as well, though I would argue that he should be a little bit more of a starter, but I do take a look at the Milwaukee Brewers. I think that their pitching is going to be able to reign supreme in this one with Stephen Mass. Just don't know what we're going to be able to get out of him in general because he did wind up having a first start to. Of the year in which he posted up an ERA of a 21. Wines well, with giving up seven runs in three innings to, out of all teams, a poopy Pittsburgh Pirates. Last season, he was relatively sought while he was playing over there in the American League. 382 ERA probably didn't deserve the. 14-7 record that he wound up getting, but still, a guy that when he wound up going away from home, he did wind up doing a solid job of being able to hold down the fort with regards to not giving up a lot of home runs, but opponents still hit a 265 off of him. He was a little bit lucky last season, and I do think that Hauser is going to be able to do a good job of being able to lessen the walks this season and really be able to keep St. Louis at bay. So DK Nation pick is going to be on the Milwaukee Brewers. Semi-total at an 8.4 as well, so we're going to be diving under with this total as well. on the betting board. The Colorado Rockies are going to be playing us to the Chicago Cubs. Right now, we've got no numbers up on this game because the Cubs are in a little bit of TBD mode. It does sound like Mark Leiter Jr. is going to be getting the start for the Chicago Cubs, though. So, we are handicapping this as if we're getting Mr. Leiter Jr. And then Antonio Sensatella is going to be going for the Colorado Rockies. And with Lighter Jr. versus Antonio Sensatella, I wanted making the Rockies a minus 157 favorite because you do take a look at this Colorado Rockies team, and they just perform so much better at course rather than when they do wind up hitting the road. I think that that is one of the most demonstrative home and road splits you're able to find of any team. Pretty much in almost any sport that isn't college basketball, because with Leiter Jr. he's going to be making his first start in all likelihood since the 2018 season, and he's a guy that really hasn't been that good whenever he's been called up to the big leagues. of so 5.53 career ERA split time as a starter and a reliever, giving up three and a half walks per nine innings, two home runs per nine, and you even take a look at the minor league numbers that he posted up last year while he was with the Detroit Tigers and. It's not like he looked the world on fire. Had a 10-8 and record, a 3.77 ERA, and really a not-juice ball league. He did wind up lessening the walks, two and a half walks per nine innings, but still gave up a little bit over a homer per nine innings, so I do think that this is a case in which Mark Leitner Jr. probably just not going to be ready for showtime, especially over there at Elevation at Coors Field, and Antonio Sensatella, he's been a guy that throughout his career has actually pitched really well at Coors, has not been able to find his footing whenever he's had to leave the state of Colorado in his first start of this season was a relatively solid one. He winds posting up a 270 ERA three and a third innings, giving up one run against the LA Dodgers, and it's much of what we wound up seeing last year. Out of Antonio Sensatella, not a guy that's going to give you a lot of swings and misses, but 15 starts at Coors. Gave up five home runs at 90 and two-thirds innings. He only got 51 strikeouts, but he also had 1.4 walks per nine innings at home. That is absolutely ridiculous, and you do take a look at this Colorado Rockies team, and got a lot of guys that are able to just hit really well at home. CJ Crone, out of his 28 home runs last season, 19 of them on up coming at home and nearly a 420 on base. Connor Joe hit above a 300 at home last season. He's already got multiple home runs this season. You wind up bringing in Chris Bryant. He's done a good job hitting above a 300. You've even been able to get some production out of the catcher spot. Elias Diaz entered into yesterday hitting above a 300. And for the Chicago Cubs, you got a couple guys from last year that they're really scuffling with the bat. Rafael Ortega he had a 290 last season. This year he wanted up starting off one for ten going into yesterday. Nick Madrigal wound up being banged up towards the back half of last season thus far this year. It's been a little bit rough for him now. Ian App, he is picking up right where he left off last season. Last season, 14 home runs in the final two months of the campaign. Entered into yesterday hitting an 8 of 17 to begin the season, so that's all, but you do take a look at this Cubs bullpen. It's not very good. Michael Gibbons, the former Rocky, he's able to give you a good inning or two. Jesse Chavez he's a little bit long in the tooth, but he's able to get the job done, but I do take a look at the Rockies, and Daniel Bart has a homey area that's literally like five points lower than it is on the road over the last 12 or so months. They bring in Alex Kame. That's not necessarily much of an upgrade, but Ashton Gadu has been able to give you some solid innings as well. Tyler Kinley is someone that I do like for the Colorado Rockies. So I do end in this spot making the Rockies a minus 157 favorite. On the money line, on the run line, I made it a plus 108 as well, so I would need a little bit of plus price to be able to lay a run and half with the Colorado Rockies and made my total of 11.8, so half or lower looking at an over 12 or higher, going to be taking a look at an under. 913, 914 on the betting board, the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are into Cincinnati. They're going to be under the road, facing off against the LA Dodgers. Julio Arias is going to be going for the Dodgers, and Hunter Green is going to be on the bump. For Cincinnati, red legs are finding themselves in between plus two dollars and plus two eleven. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Dodgers, it is anywhere between minus 232 at minus 250, nine to nine and a half is your total on the nine and a half. Under is minus between minus 115, minus 120. Over is anywhere between even to minus 105 on the nine. Flip it. Over is between minus 115, minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 105. And I'll just give you the run line right away at Circa. I'm currently seeing the Dodgers run line at a minus 123. If you're looking to lay it, but everywhere else I'm seeing a minus 140 on the run line, and that makes the Cincinnati Reds a plus. 120 and in this spot I wound up saying the Reds with regards to the money line at a plus 207 and we've actually gotten there with these plus two ten so I'm gonna be taking a look at the reds Currently, the run line is only a plus 120. I would need more like a plus 125 slash a plus 130 to be able to take a shot there. It could be a case of which, if it winds up getting up really, really juicy, I might wind up taking the run line instead. But right now, I'm looking at Red's money line in this spot. You take a look at what Hunter Green was able to do in his first start. It's not like he'd the world on fire, but I mean, five innings pitch, Gave up three runs against the Atlanta Braves, and he was throwing 100 miles an hour throughout. So that is a good elixir to take on an L.A. Dodgers lineup that it is a death star. You've got so many guys that this year they're going to be going for at least 20 home runs and hitting at least a 260 max. Muncie, Justin Turner down for what? Trey Turner down for what? Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Chris Taylor. List goes on and on. Cody Bellinger starting to find a little bit more for the team. Gavin Lux, he's able to do nice work. Will Smith gets jiggy with it. And that's our lineup from yesterday. That's one in which you don't have any breaks whatsoever. And for the Red Lakes, You do have a couple more breaks with regards to this lineup. Joey Votto has had a little bit of a cold start to begin the year. Tommy Pham going into yesterday was literally 0-15 of on a C. Sakino. He has not been able to find the magic that allowed him to have just that massive month of August a few seasons ago as a rookie. But you do have Jonathan India who's able to do a solid job of being on reach base for you. I do have my question marks with someone like a... Jake Fraley, but I do think that with the Reds, they are going to be able to find a little bit of offense, especially if Mike Busakis is is able to come off of injury, is able to look relatively solid. Now, with the Reds, you're really rolling the dice with regards to this bullpen, but if you need someone like Jeff Hoffman to be able to give you some long relief, he's able to do so. Art Warren has been solid for this team as well. Luis Sessa wound up getting lit up as an opener, but in a non-opener role, he's actually been relatively solid. And then you do take a look at the Dodgers. They wind up bringing in Craig Kimbrell, absolutely massive for them. And then on top of that, you take a look at Broussard or Gradrol, a guy that's able to throw triple digits out of the bullpen. Blake Tryon, one of the most reliable guys in all of baseball. You're able to throw in there Alex Vecchia, who wound up stepping up towards back half last season. So Dodgers should certainly have a leg up, especially with Mr. Julio Arias, wound up being able to get 20 wins last season. But you take a look at Mr. Arias, and he actually wound up doing a lot of his damage on the road. Only seven out of his 20 wins last season wound up coming at home. And if you take a look at some of these splits, it's really interesting because with Mr. Arias, he wound up posting up a 3.27 ERA at home compared to a 2.71 on the road with opponents hitting relatively the same batting average, but being able to get a little bit more power off of him when he was out there in Los Angeles. So, I do take a look at this spot, and I do think that the Dodgers should be a relatively sizable favorite. I think that we went a little bit too far here. Being able to get north of 210. .210, I'm going to be willing to take a shot here on the red legs. I do wind up saying my total at an 8.7 as well. I think that a lot of people are underestimating Hunter Green in this spot, so I'm going to be taking a look at this total under, and we're going to be taking a look at the big plus price with the Cincinnati Reds. I'm 9, 9, 16 on the bagging board the Tampa Bay Rays. Hit the road to face off against the Chicago White Sox. And it it's going to be one Koi Kaluba who's going to be going for the Tampa Bay Rays. And for the Chicago White Sox, you're going to be taking a look at Michael Kopech. Going for you. And for the White Sox, they are finding themselves as a favorite. Any 14, minus 125 and minus 140. Meanwhile, your plus price here with the Rays. It's any 14, plus 115 and plus 127. And F is your total. Over is any 14, minus 110 and minus 115. The under is any 14, minus 105 and minus 110. Seeing a straight nine out there, that nine under is minus 120 and the over is even. With this one, I take a look at Corey Kluber a little bit of an older guy right now. I did wind up setting this at a plus 132. Was willing to lay up to a minus 132. And on the open, it was not necessarily looking like we were able to get there, but we've seen a couple prices drop, seeing a minus 125 at the Westgate, so I'm going to be willing to lay that minus 125 with Michael Kopech, a guy that really is able to light up the radar gun. Big thing with him is, is he going to be able to keep command? First start of the season, did wind up having two walks in his four innings, but really showed electrifying stuff, and I felt like he should have never been in the bullpen last year. This is someone who, he's just a born and bred starter, in my opinion. And something that does a good job of being able to get a lot of strikeouts. I mean, right around 12.7 strikeouts per nine innings for his career. Absolutely electrifying there. And then you take a look at Corey Kluber. First start of the year, was very soft. Four and two-thirds innings scoreless against the Baltimore Orioles. But for one, that's the Baltimore Orioles. And two, he evaded a lot of danger. He gave up three hits and four walks in that time span. So he got very lucky that he did not wind up giving up any runs. And you take a look at what he wound up doing with the New York Yankees last season. Away from home. A 4.87 ERA in his eight starts. Gave up five home runs and 40 in the third innings. That's not necessarily the issue. The big issue is that he wanted giving out right around 3.6 walks per nine innings. You take a look at the White Sox, and it's a punch that they really do a good job with regards to being able to hold things down with the bullpen. Liam Hendricks is a guy that I think is a little bit overvalued, but you take a look at the rest of these guys in the bullpen. Someone like a Bennett Sosa has been able to give you some good innings this season. Kyle Crick had a little bit of rough it to begin the season, but I think that he's going to be able to pick it up. Aaron Bummer, Jose Ruiz. These guys are relatively solid. For the Tampa Bay race, it's a very good bullpen, but it's a bullpen that has been utilized for a lot of innings. JP Fireisen along with Andrew Kittrich, These guys can pitch in pretty much any situation. You'd love to see that. Jeffrey Springs, Ryan Thompson, they've been able to give you good innings, and for the Tampa Bay Rays, but I do think it's a little bit of a kryptonite for them. It's just the amount of times that they strike out in general. Last year, Struck out on nearly 25% of their at-bats. Now, Brandon Lau already has multiple home runs this year. You've got a pair of guys, in like G-Man Choi and Wander Franco who have both been able to do a solid job of being a reach base in Francisco Mejia. Off to a very solid start to the season as well, but you do need some of these guys, like a Yandy Diaz, a Josh Lowe, To really be able to get things going. And for the Chicago White Sox. Tim Anderson. Hitting just below a 500 thus far this year. That has been great for them. Jose Abadeu is someone who last season wound up having over 100 RBI now. Yasmani Grandal over the last two years, he's been hitting right around at two thirty-seven with a nearly four twenty on base. I think that something's got to give there, and you do have Andrew Vaughn as well. He's gotten off to a nice start to the season, so I do take a look at the White Sox. I do think that they are going to be able to get to Corey Kluber now. Kluber's a righty. This is a White Sox team that they always do a little bit better against lefties, but with that said, I do think that this is still a case in which White Sox should be able to put up some runs in this spot. Did my end my total at an 8.4? Going to be a little bit of a chillier day out there in the city of Chicago, so looking at this total, under. And I'm looking at the White Sox willing to lay really up to a minus 132 with them. So looking at the minus 125 that I see before me. 917, 918 on the bank board. The Toronto Blue Jays are going to be playing us to the Oakland A's. Paul Blackburn is going to be going for the A's. And Hunjin Ryu is going to be going for the Blue Jays. The Jays are anywhere between minus 215 and minus 235. Meanwhile, plus price with Oakland is anywhere between plus 190 and plus $2. And you're finding the total on this game, anywhere between 9 and 9.5. And on the 9.5, under is anywhere between minus 120 and minus 120. 25. over overs between even and plus 105 on the 9. The overs anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120 and the unders anywhere between even and plus 105. If you're looking at the run line, by the way, with the Jays, you're finding it anywhere between a minus 115 to a minus 120, but I wound up saying the A's more around a plus 162. I am very bearish on Hyunjin Ryu after, for one, what we wound up seeing last year in general. He wound up having a north of four ERA, and it starts in Toronto along with Florida. So that's not something that you're looking at as a good thing at First start of the season against the Walker Texas Rangers. Gives up six runs over the course of three and a third innings. You know that the command is going to be there with Hunjin Ryu. He did wind up having two walks in that season debut, but he does a solid job there. But he is someone that is very much pitch to contact. Doesn't necessarily get a bunch of punch outs. And this is an Oakland A's team that they've been able to do a very solid job at the plate. They do strike out a little bit more than you'd like, but you've got Chad Pinder along with Seth Brown, who both have multiple home runs this season. Alvis Andrews was one of the most unlucky players at the plate. Last season, with regards to his batting average versus expected batting average, he and Christian Pache entered into yesterday, hitting above a three hundred. The catcher, Sean Murphy, has really been a constant for this team as well. Now, the kryptonite that you do have with the Oakland A's, Bullpen, certainly far from great. Justin Grimm isn't terrible, but certainly leaves a little bit of something to be desired. Adam Klererik, I think he'll be able to give you some solid innings. And Danny Jimenez, you're in the early part of the season. as looks solid, but you do have question marks there. Meanwhile, the Blue Jays, you got a little bit more faith in this team. Adam Simber, Yimi Garcia, guys, that they picked up at the trade deadline to be able to help things out. Tim Meza has been able to deliver thus far in the early part of the season. Trevor Richards is someone that I do like, but I take a look at Mr. Blackburn. Going into last season, he was really rough. Whenever he got called up to the big league level and still wound up having a 587 area last season but he's been able to do a much better job of being able to rein things in a little bit more. His strikeout to walk rate was solid last year. 10 walks given up in 38 and a third inning so the command has been much better ever since he wound up getting called up last season and I do think that this is an Oakland A's team that they're certainly going to give up their runs with regards to both he and the bullpen because you just take a look at this Blue Jays lineup. He've got Flyer Jr. who a couple nights ago wound up having a three home run game. George Springer sitting above a three He's back at full force. Santiago Spano, Ramiel Tapia. Both of these guys are going to be able to get on base. Lourdes Gurriel, who's been struggling a little bit to begin the year, you know that he's going to pick it up. Matt Chapman's just useless with the bat, but everyone else on the team is relatively solid. And hey, for Chapman, a little bit of a revenge game, but that said, I do think that the Oakland A's going to be able to hold up here. I do think that you wind up having a guy in Unjin Ryu who's starting to just experienced a little bit of a fall off with regards to his career. I'm with Javon Alford in this spot. I'm going to be taking a look at this total over. I set my total at a 9.7. So, we would like to get a plus 105 on that 9.5 over. And with regards to the Oakland A's, nothing more the about a plus 160 to a plus 165 getting well north of that. So, I'm going to take another plus price here with the Oakland A's to go along with this total over. 919, 920 on the betting board. The Minnesota Twins, a third phase off against the Boston Red Sox. Tanner out, going to be going for the Sox. And you've got Sonny Gray on the bump for Minnesota. The Red Sox are finding themselves in between minus 112 and minus 120. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Minnesota, you're going to be finding them anywhere between even money and seeing as good as a plus 107. And it draws anywhere between 9.5 and 10. On the 10, the under is minus 120, the over is even. On the 9.5, over is any 14, minus 105 and minus 115. And the same goes for the under as well. And with the Boston Red Sox, I did wind up saying that as a minus 126 favorite. With Tanner Oak, he was legitimately one of the most unlucky pitchers with regards to decisions I've really ever seen last season. I believe that he wound up having a 1 in 5 record with a sub 3 ERA. That is just absolutely cataclysmically bad luck right there because I mean, he does a nice job of being able to get some swings and misses sometimes can walk a little bit more than what you'd like. They wind up having a little bit of a rough going event in his first start of the season as well, but in last season, four home runs given up in 69 innings, 87 punch outs in those innings, delivered at home, delivered on the road. This is someone that you're able to rely upon. And for Sonny Gray wound up having a relatively soft first time out, gave up two runs over the course of four innings against the Seattle did in Light the World on Fire, but certainly not necessarily a bad start for him. You take a look at what he wound up doing in 2021, and he was much better away from home than at home. He was playing at Cincinnati at the time, and as we know, Cincinnati just a man ball, box ballpark, and it starts away from Cincinnati. He wound up giving up six home runs at 65 in a third innings, opponents hit at 216 off of him with right around a 344 ERA, so... That is good, but you do take a look at the Boston Red Sox. I like the fact that you got Ryan Brazier out there in the bullpen. Garrett Woodlock probably going to see a little bit of regression this year, but he, Phillips Valdez, Edokazu Sadamona, these guys are able to do a solid job out there in the bullpen, and the Minnesota Twins wanted picking up Emilio Bagan, which, every time he pitched, he said, it's a Pagan, because he wound up giving up, like, 16 home runs last season. Caleb Theobar, not necessarily a great reliever. Danny Columbia is actually someone I do like, but take a look at the Minnesota Twins, a little bit of an all-or-nothing lineup. Miguel Sano is certainly the textbook example of this. Guy that's able to give you a lot of power, but does not hit for any average whatsoever. Now, Brian Buxton, someone I do like for the team, but he wound up having to leave yesterday's game. Got to think that he's probably going to be out for this one. How long he's going to be out, that's anyone's guess. Max Kepler has really not been able to put up big numbers for since he wound up having that season, of which he wound up having 36 bombs in 2019. So that's a little bit of an issue. And then you've got a Boston Red Sox team that has Rafael Devers currently inning at 367. He's already got a pair of home runs this season. Alex Verdugo has went deep twice. He's got a 380 on base. Trevor Story, I've never liked his home and road splits while he was at Colorado. I think that he's going to struggle a little bit, but Sandra Bogarts wound up hitting right around 300 last season. J.D. Martinez just below that. He's able to give you 25-plus home runs, so I do think that the Red Sox have a little bit more with the yards in their lineup. I trust in their bullpen a little bit more as well, so I did wind up setting Halk Company, a minus-126 favorite, could be willing to lay here with Boston, and I'm going to be taking a look at an under and. The spot. Semi-total at 9.3. I think that Sonny Gray is going to be able to deliver a relatively solid start, and I think the Town of Ark is being a little bit undervalued as well. So, going to be taking a look at this total under, and we're going to be taking a look at the Boston Red Sox as we move on to 921, 922 on the bagging board. The Detroit Tigers are going to be in the road face-off against Kansas City Royals. Chris with the K Bubich is going to be going for the Royals, and Matt Manning is going to be on the bump for the Tigers. The Tigers are finding themselves as an underdog. You're finding them at pretty much a plus 105 across the board. I'm seeing a straight plus 107 as well. Meanwhile, it's the Royals find them at 14 minus 114 and minus 125 with eight and a half being your total over 14 minus 110 and minus 120. The unders 14 even minus 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 one ten, and when it comes to the Tigers, I did wind up setting them at plus one twenty eight. With Matt Manning has very demonstrative home and road splits at home. Throughout his career has always been a guy that has done a nice job being able to get the job done. But you take a look at what he wound up doing on the road last year, and that was a big giant calamity from six sixty three ERA. Eight starts, one up a lying opponent said a two ninety five off of him. Now it's a Royals team in which they don't necessarily have a lot of mashers in the lineup, Salvador Perez, or he has multiple runs this season. We all remember the forty eighth they wound up putting up the two thousand twenty one season. But I do expect that the Royals are gonna do a better job of be able to get guys like Bobby Witt Whit on base on Carlos Santana was one of the worst hitters in all baseball. The second half of the season, I expect nothing different there. But you take a look at Andrew Benatendi, Nicky Lopez, Michael A. Taylor. All these guys have been able to do a solid job of being a reach base Benintendi, A. Taylor. Both of these guys, north of the 375 on base, Hunter Dozier, I think could be in for a little bit of a bounce back this season. And for the Detroit Tigers, being able to get Spencer Torkelson online is going to be big. wound up having his first career home run a couple days ago, and that's massive because take a look at it going into the game yesterday. He, Akil Badu, Tucker Barnard, Jameer Candelario, Jonathan Scope, all entered, hitting at a 200 or worse now. Awesome Meadows has been absolutely tremendous for this team. Right around a 500 on base. And Miguel Cabrera has actually been able to give you some solid at-bats as well. When it comes to the Tigers, bullpen is relatively solid with this team. Gregory Soto has been able to do a solid job. was actually a... All-star reliever last season. Jacob Barnes, Jacob Foley. They're able to give you good innings along with Will Vest. But you take a look at the Royals. Towards the back half of the season, they were one of the best bullpens out there in the major leagues with Jake Brent, Scott Barlow being able to give you good innings. Amir Garrett, I really don't think upgrades things for the team, but Colin Snyder has been able to give this team some good innings. Joel Payampas, Josh Stamont, they're able to come in. They are able to get the job done. And when it comes to the Royals, I do think that Chris with the K-Bubish going to be better than what he wound up doing in his first start against the Cleveland Guardians. Got two outs, and gave up five runs. You'll say, that was not necessarily great, but take a look at what he wound up doing at home last season. 384 ERA, gave up six home runs in 63 in the third innings. Very much a pitcher contact guy, sometimes walks a couple more than he would like, but he's going up against the Detroit Tigers team that they are a little bit, shall we say, shallow with regards to... The batting lineup, you haven't necessarily been able to get a lot of power with them now. I do think that both of these guys are going to be giving up runs. Semi-total at a 9.3, so I'm going to be willing to take this total over. With that said, I do think that Boobich is going to be able to do a little bit better job here against a pitcher in Matt Manning that he just hasn't been able to perform on the road throughout his career. So I'm going to be willing to lay the number here with the Kansas City Royals, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total over as well. We move on to 9.23 9.24 on the main board. This is the LA Angels taking on the Texas Rangers. It is going to be Taylor Hearn who's going to be going for the Texas Rangers. Meanwhile, Noah Thor Syndergaard is going to be on the bump for the Halos, and the Halos are finding themselves as a favorite. And between minus 127 and minus 135 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the plus price here with Texas, you're going to be finding them in between plus 115 and plus 120, with 9 being your total. Over is any 14, minus 115, and minus and 120. Under is any between even a minus 105. Seeing nine a 9.5 out there as well. On the 9.5, under is minus 120, and the over is even. And I do to say my total at a 9.1. So here with the 9s, I'm going to be taking a look at the over. With Noah Syndergaard, very good first start of the season against the Houston Astros. Five and a third inning scoreless now. You really don't have much data on him ever since really the end of the 2019 season. Wound him getting hurt. Missed all of 2020. Wound up pitching two innings in 2021. I'm going to make nothing out of those whatsoever, but... With Syndergaard, looked like the fastball velocity was there with him. He looked very sharp. That's something that you do like to see him. For Taylor Hearn. he should have had a much higher ERA leaving his first start. Then he wound up having first start against the Colorado Rockies. Goes four innings. He winds up walking one. He winds up having eight batsman. He gives up eight hits and he gives up one run. So he was very, very fortunate. Things were not worse, and for the Texas Rangers, it is still a little bit of a shaky bullpen. Spencer Patton is someone that I've always liked for this team. Albert Trubaday, wound up getting used up yesterday because for the Rangers, it was a bullpen game, so they're probably going to be looking for a little bit of length out of the bullpen if Taylor Earn winds up getting into a little bit of trouble. This could be a situation which you might be looking at someone like a Kobe Allard trying to be able to give you some bulk innings. This could be a case in which John King needs to go for multiple innings. Garrett Richards, he wound up not pitching yesterday after he had thrown 28-plus pitches in the game before so he could be on call in this one so you might need to mix and match here with the Texas Rangers and then you take a look at this LA Angels lineup and you've got a pair of guys, Mike Trout and Choi Otani, who are one and two with regards to the MVP preseason odds coming into the season. Got to expect that both of these guys going to be firing on the cylinders. Otani got his first home run of the season yesterday. Trout has already went deep in the series, but how about Jared Walsh? He's been able to give the team a pair of home runs. He's looked solid here at the beginning part of the season. Brandon Marsh has been able to get on base. Now guys like Jack Mayfield, you're able to throw in there. David Fletcher. They're going to need to really step up with this team. Joe Adele, he wanted getting a home run yesterday. I saw my question marks there, though. And then you take a look at the Texas Rangers. Marcus Simeon off to an ice cold start to the season. McCory Seeger hitting above a 300. itself for the team. Adolis Garcia was an all star last season. His batting average is in there. He's been able to give you a good on base. Willie Calhoun was legitimately one of the most unlucky hitters in all of baseball last season. So I do expect a little bit of an uptick there. And then you do, do take a look at this Angels bullpen. You've got one of the best closers. They're able to find an all baseball as you've had Rossi Iglesias really be able to step up for the team, but the other guys like Jimmy Hargo, Ryan Tapera, Oliver Ortega, what are you going to be able to get there? Good news is Aaron Loop. He comes over from the mess. He wound up having a one ERA last season, so I do think that the LA Angels should be able to get it done here. Won't delay up to a minus 130 here with the Angels, so going to be wanting to take them on the money line as I do think that both of these guys do wind up giving up a fair share of runs. So my total at a 9.1, you've got a pair of offenses that have been able to revamp themselves with what they've been able to do in the offseason. So looking over and looking at the Angels. 925-926 on the main board. The Baltimore Orioles are going to be playing us to the New York Yankees. Jamison Tyon is going to be going for the Yankees and Tyler Wells is going to be on the bump for the Orioles. Orioles, themselves anywhere between plus 165 and plus 181. Meanwhile, with the Yankees, anywhere between minus 191 and minus $2 is your price. Nine to nine and a half is your total on the nine. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Under is anywhere between even a minus 110. On the nine and a half, under is minus 125. That makes the over a plus 105. And I didn't mind saying the total at a 9.2. I'm going to be taking a look at one of these nines over because you do take a look at this New York Yankees team, man. They just completely flip and own the Baltimore Orioles. We're just going to call what it is. And if you're taking a look at the online in this spot. Right now, the run line, with I know that Javon was taking a look at as well, anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125, I set my run line at a minus 142. I'm going to much rather take the run line rather than the money line because I do think that there's a good chance that we wind up seeing some complete and utter Yankee domination in this one. You do take a look at the lineup that you're able to try out there, and it is a little bit of a boomer bust lineup. Guys like Anthony Rizzo, Giancarlo Stanton, Josh Donaldson, and Aaron Judge, I think that all these guys are going to wind up going for at least 25 home runs. Donaldson and Rizzo do a solid job of be able to draw some walks. Giancarlo Sand has been able to do a good job of being able to reach base as well. You did take a look at Joey Gallo, guy that I've never necessarily been too bullish on, but he's going to be able to give you his home runs this season. Isaiah kinnear flafa I felt like was a very good offseason acquisition as well. And for the Orioles, you do have a couple guys that are able to match for you. Ryan Mountcastle, along with Mullins, both were able to give you 25-plus home runs last season, but what else do you really have with this team? Trey Buma Mancini, he wound up having 20 bombs last season, but you need more out of these guys, like a Ore Mateo. They pick up Robinson Chirinos. So I don't think that that's going to work out. Chris Owings has been absolutely terrible for the team. Ramon Urias might be able to give you a little bit of something about Anthony Santander, but Jerry's out there, and this is an Orioles bullpen that, man, it is probably the worst out there in all of baseball. Mike Bauman has been used as a long reliever. He's actually okay, but... Paul Fry, Felix Batista. These guys are terrible. CNL Perez has an ERA that's like five for his career. Travis Lankins is someone that you want, no part of whatsoever. And then with the Bronx Bombers, this is one of the best bullpens that you're going to find in all of baseball. Jonathan Belizega has really been able to do a solid job. Now, the one guy that you actually have big-time concerns with, Oralda Shaman, could not command to save his life a few days ago against the Blue Jays, but Miguel Castro, Chad Green are able to give you some good innings. I feel very good about guys not named Oralda Shaman out there in the bullpen for the Yankees. I don't think that they need to go to him because I think that you're going to have a good start here from Jamison Tyon. I do recognize that the omen road splits for him last season weren't necessarily so great when he was on the road. He wound up posting up a 560 ERA, giving up 10 home runs 64 in 64 and a third innings. If you look at it, I feel like he wound up getting a little bit unlucky in some of those starts. And I do think that he's going to come into Baltimore. He's going to hold down a Orioles team that, we're going to call it what it is. They're very, very poopy right now. I did my setting my total at 9.2. So, looking at a 9 over, and I'm going to be taking a look at the run line here of the New York Yankees, 927, 928 on the main board. The Seattle Mariners are going to be playing those to the Houston Astros. Justin Verlander is going to be going for the Stroves, and... Chris Flexen is going to be on the bump for Seattle. Mariners are finding themselves anywhere between plus 140 and plus 155 underdogs with the Astros. Got a big outlier DraftKings. You're finding them at minus 180 there. Everywhere else, it's anywhere between a minus 152 and a minus 165. 7.5 to 8 is your total on the 8. Under is minus 125, and the over is plus 105 on the 7.5. The over and the under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115, and with the Houston Astros, I do feel like they should be the favorite. We'll end up setting them at a minus 146 in this spot. We're seeing a lot of plus 147 plus 150s and I'm going to be willing to take a shot here on the Seattle Mariners the Mariners going into what we wound up seeing on Friday 35 and 20 in one run games since the beginning of the 2021 season that's the best in all the big leagues and a big reason why is because this bullpen has been absolutely tremendous for them Drew second rider is an absolute ace out of the bullpen Paul Seawald wound up having a right around at two ERA Diego Castillo. Came over from the Tampa Bay Rays. He was able to do a solid job. Even something like a Matthew Festa, who wound up seeing limited innings last season. He's come back this year. He's been able to fire for this bunch. And you do take a look at the Seattle Mariners' head. This is a lineup that I think is going to get better as the season goes along. Jared Kelnick has been off to a little bit of a rough season along with the acquisitions from Cincinnati. You wound up having Jesse Winker and Enyo Suarez entering yesterday's game, both hitting below a buck 90. But Mitch Haniger already three home runs this season, won the most underrated power bats. In all of baseball, Adam Frazier. I don't know if he's going to hit 300 this season, but he's going to hit better than the Buck 33. They wound up having going into yesterday. And then you do take a look at the Houston Astros, number one team in all baseball, and not striking out the young guys out there in the outfield. Kyle Tucker, Jose Siri, Chaz McCormick, all these guys are able to put bat to ball. Jeremy Pena has really been off to a nice start. Entered yesterday, hitting at 292. Michael Bradley sitting at 300. Alex Bregman. He typically starts out the year slow. He's starting off the year white hot this year, hitting above a three hundred. Jose Altuve. We all know that he's going to be able to pick it up with the Astros. Bullpen is relatively soft for this team as well. You do take a look at Christian Javier. Very good guy that's able to give you multiple innings. Now, I do have question marks with guys like Hector Nares, Rafael Montano, but that said, you've got Ryan Presley, one of the more underrated relievers out there in baseball. I do like the fact that Pedro Baez is a guy that they wound up buying low on as well. And then when it comes to Justin Verlander, First start of the season looked very solid against the LA Angels. Not necessarily vintage for lander, but still five innings. He winds up giving up one run. The command was a little bit off, but by and large looked relatively solid. And for Chris Flexen, this guy was absolutely dominant in the city of Seattle last season. Home ERA of a 3.23, 17 starts, wanted giving up three runs or fewer in all but three of them. Gave up seven home runs in 97 and two thirds innings. Did a good job with a walks rate of about 1.7 per nine innings. I think that he's going to do a good job keep things on front of them against this Houston Astros lineup and I do think that it's going to be case in which the Astros are going to be able to scrape across a couple runs, but with that said, I do think that Justin Verlander isn't necessarily the guy that we wound up seeing towards the beginning part of his tenure with Houston semi-total at eight point two. so willing to take a 7.5 over, and willing to take the plus 150 plus that I'm seeing here with Seattle. And we're going to have things up with 929, 930 on the betting board. The Cleveland Guardians are going to be playing us to the San Francisco Giants. Anthony D Scalfani is going to be going for the Giants, and Cal Quantrill is going to be on the bump for Cleveland. Cleveland find themselves as an underdog in this spot. Going to be finding them As bad as a plus 103, as good as a plus 120, meanwhile, if you're taking a look at San Francisco, any 14, minus 115, DraftKings has an outlier, minus 140. Other places, really, the max that you're going to find is minus 125, 8 to 8.5 is your total. On the 8.5, under is minus 120, the over even. On the 8, over is any 14, minus 110, and minus 120, the under is any 14, even at minus 110. And with the Guardians, willing to take plus 110 or higher in this spot. We're seeing quite a few of those, so willing to take the Guardians here. It is a case in which the Cleveland Guardians do have a guy in Cal Quantrill that I really like. If you include the first start of the season this year for Cal Quantro, ADRA ever since the All-Star break last season that hovers right around a 3, giving a plus home run per nine innings, and he goes up against a guy And Anthony De Scalfani, is very solid for the San Francisco Giants. You take a look at the way that he wanted pitching on the road last season. 322 ERA, 17 starts and wind up giving up 15 home runs at 95 innings, but opponents hit at 225 off of them. He limited the walks, right around 2.3 ish walks per nine innings. You take a look at this Giants team, and they do a great job with their hitting splits, being able to platoon, having guys like a Brandon Belt give you a home run every 13 or so at bat. Darren Ruff has been able to do a nice job of being over reach base for this team. Jock Peterson, and. Above a 300 this season, Wilmer Flores does a good job with his batting average. Joey Bart, the understudy of Buster Posey, he's come in, he's filled in from very well. Hitting above a 300, but with the Guardians. This is a team that is white hot. They cooled off a little bit yesterday, but Stephen Kwan still hitting right around a 500 for this team. And then Jose Ramirez has been able to give you a tree of home runs. He's hitting above a 400. Heck, right now, Stephen Kwan isn't even the best hitter on his own team. That'd be Owen Miller's hitting above a 500. He has been spectacular. Miles Straw, he's been hitting above a 300. He's got good wheels for Emil Reyes. He's capable of going for 30 home runs, much like he did last season. And for the Guardians, this is a solid bullpen. Emmanuel Klaasé, one of the best relievers you're going to find in all baseball. Well, you've got Nick Sandlin, Brian Shaw being able to provide you some very good innings. Anthony Ghost. not necessarily someone that I trust in too much, but Eli Morgan has been able to find a niche in his bullpen and for the San Francisco Giants, only bullpen with an ERA that was sub-3 last season. You've got so many guys they are back from that team as well. Camilo DeVall, Jarlin Garcia. You're able to throw in there. Jake McGee, Dominic Leone, Zach Liddell. So both of these teams, very good with the guards they are pitching heading into this one. I did wind up saying my total at an 8.3 because I like the way that the Guardians have been able to put back to ball. And I do think that D. Scalfani is going to wind up giving up a long ball or two. He's been known for doing that on the road. So I take a look at this spot. We'll take North of a plus 110 here with the Guardians. And I'm going to be taking a look at this 8 over. And that will wrap things up for the Saturday edition of the Baseball Betting Show. A big thanks to Javon Alford of DraftKings for joining me in the last segment. I feel like we're hearing from this five podcast, the baseball betting show, you're able to subscribe wherever you hear podcasts Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and tune in. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, what I have you for this podcast, you have one or two ways we be those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters of Amy does not matter. size per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast, find that five star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. And that means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.
3: Slash compatibility